0: Hey everyone, it's Jenna Melanson from Canadian Beats Media, and I'm here with Matthew Lane of the ML Group in London, Ontario for our sixth interview in the Inside the Industry series. Welcome, Matthew.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's My pleasure. So first off, I want to talk to you about your business, the ML Group. How did you get started in the business?
1: Uh, so there, there's two different starts for the ML group one that was it was what I was doing before I kind of gave it a name. And then once I gave it a name with the first band, I like really started working with it was, I, I guess when I was in a metal band in high school and I started doing all the booking and managing stuff for them. And that was kind of that, but I didn't really give it a name cause I wasn't really thinking about the business side at that point. And then in 2016, it's kind of what I would count as my official launch and, and that was when I and that's when I was uh, working with Crownlands back in 2016, and I and I was with those guys for a couple of years, and then yeah, I just progressed from there, and here we are, still rolling.
0: Yeah, I find it usually starts pretty organically, like it just happens.
1: Well, I, I for me, it's I was a musician, but I kind of fell in love with. The mistress of Jesus Christ. Sorry, there's a lot of movement and a lot of things happening in my build. I'm at my day job right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, yeah, it's 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 just been a wild kind of ride. And seeing it like, I just celebrated my 10th year this year in the industry, which is wild to think I've committed something that long. But also, just it's because I love music itself, and I love being a part of the chaos of all of it. Like it's a controlled chaos, but it's chaos nonetheless.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, so your focus at the ML Group is on management, booking and consulting. Can you give us a, b- a brief rundown of each part?
1: Yeah, so with the management stuff, that's really me getting into the nitty gritty with whoever the client is. And like, for example, my current management client, they're my only management client for the time being is uh, Lost in Japan. And with those guys, I, I get really into the nitty gritty. We're going through stuff, we're talking every day, we're working on new stuff, we're confirming shows, we're full booking side. But just coming up with plans, like I have a call with the singer later today with us on the day that's recorded and we're gonna, we're doing a full roadmap for the year. And then go even looking ahead two to possibly three years ahead as well. And just really trying to carve the way. The best analogy I can give for what I do is the artist is the one driving the boat. I'm just kind of pointing the direction of where not to crash into rocks. <laughs> the booking side, it, it's literally what it is. Like I got a few booking clients that I'm working for right now. Uh, and a couple of them aren't announced yet, but they're going to be announced soon. But right now, just like fishing around for offers, seeing who's working on tours, shows that make sense, performance opportunities, anywhere and everywhere that makes sense for that artist. And it completely depends. Like one of the new artists I'm I'm starting to work with is like a R&B, hip hop singer kind of person. And so like the avenues that which rock music is kind of what launched my career. And now because I have a nice little comfortable nest that I sit in. I'm able to start now expanding into these other genres. I'm like, I want to do country at some point because country is, it's an interesting genre to work in. Uh, there's something some folk people I'm interested in working with. Just I want to expand as much as I can to do all these different genres and kind of stick my fingers in all these different pies, so to speak. And then the the consulting stuff, it's really just about me taking the time to sit down and work with a lot of us because I, I get a decent amount of emails every day every other day however often it is just for people asking for booking like or to be signed for management and stuff, like that. and like early on in my career i learned i learned it too late which i think everyone kind of does but by saying yes to everything you overwhelm yourself and you spread yourself too thin and
0: yeah. there
1: has to be a balance in life to make everything work and as much as i would love to work with every artist that comes across my desk it's a matter of If I can take the time to sit down with these artists and just give them like a conversation to give them some sort of direction to head in, then maybe they can set themselves up for success. So like something I do is I offer a free 30 minute consult or consult for any artists that reach out because I can take half an hour out of my day and sit down and have a conversation with someone, give them some direction, at least for a short term view, or even just a general long term perspective on different routes they can pursue and stuff like that. Because the issue I have with the industry, and it's kind of what's made me jaded for the most part, is there's a lot of closed doors and a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of secrets that aren't necessarily told, which is why I love that you're doing this program. It's to kind of put the cards on the table and reveal what's going on because there needs to be less secrecy. And I get the industry's limited and in resources at the end of the day, but there should be more opportunity for artists, and that's kind of my push is just for artist development.
0: Yeah, I agree. That sounds awesome. Okay, so when it comes to management, when a bander artist, when should a bander artist look into hiring?
1: So, there's a few different answers for that and it really depends on the position you're in as an artist. For for me specifically, I look at it like this. I'm very old school. When it comes to kind of my management dealings, like there's some managers that work on commission alone, there's some managers that work on a retainer, and a retainer being like you give someone like a thousand bucks a month, some let's say hypothetically, and their expectation is to go and champion you. The difference is for guys like me, I don't work on a retainer, I work on commission. And with guys that work on commission, they have that motivation to go out there and really push for those opportunities because. If they don't get the opportunities, they don't get paid. Guys work on retainer, no, no hate towards them. I understand why you have that model. It's just when you're on a retainer, you're more likely not to be a bit lazier, so to speak. And with that, it makes you less hungry and less forward when it comes to the development and success of the artist. And the goal with management is should be the artist's career first over your own. For bands. An artist, I would suggest, really, if you're able to do everything yourself, you can. There's resources for everything online. Keep it as independent as possible because the people you let in your circle, you have to be very careful that they're not looking at you as a dollar sign. That they believe in what you're doing and are wanting to push your vision to that next level. And the time to look for management is when you feel you have an infrastructure in place, because the biggest thing that agents, managers, record labels, any industry is looking for is infrastructure. So do you have a general system in place that you're managing your band's image and career? Do you have a good enough booking motivation in place that you're getting yourself some decent shows? Are you marketing yourself correctly? Are you consistent with your merch sales? Are you tracking all your merch sales? Are you tracking costs? Are you you have to keep all these things in mind when you build an infrastructure because as much as it is banned, there also has to be a side of it where the business is in fact there because a lot of managers, agents, record labels, they don't want to build that infrastructure. They want the infrastructure already in place so they can just add on to it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I know it was kind of a long winded answer for that question. No, but
0: but I covered (laughs) everything. Yeah. Um, When booking, Uh, is there a certain criteria that should be met before someone tries to book a gig?
1: um yeah i I would say even uh, if you're at the very, very beginning of your career, the music is everything. The music is the fuel for the project. The music has to be there and has to be solid, and you have to have a solid set and a solid live show when it comes to the live show itself, you need to be loose, you need to be comfortable, you need to be relaxed, you need to be enjoying yourself because if you're on stage and it's either you're nervous or you're timid or you're you're just not showing that you care that comes across very clearly audiences are not stupid they understand what you're there for just from the appearance and that goes for any level of art. you can tell when a major festival headliner doesn't care about the audience and it's just apparent for when you want to pitch yourself it's and here's the other thing and back to the gatekeeping for a sec like obviously lower level shows you'll have an easier time getting in because you're playing 60 to a few hundred cap rooms with other smaller bands in a similar position so there's a bit more flexibility and openness in that group but when you're ready to go to that next level when you're trying to book in the bigger rooms with bigger promoters and there's more money on the table the biggest thing they need to hear is a is the product good are you guys pushing ticket sales are you really out there promoting your shows and doing well and the other side of that coin is and, and this is what comes back to the gatekeeping. It's they want to see that someone else believes in you other than yourself, which sounds messed up, I know. But it's that, it's a mentality that a lot of the industry has. I'm not saying anyone specific, but a lot of people do have this. It's that no one believes in you, why should I? Which is a bit kind of morbid and messed up, but it's just about proving yourself like, like for Crownlands, for example, I can think of, I, I, I remember getting a thousand no's for crown lands until eventually you get one. Yes. And then all of a sudden the door just opens and everyone is flying at you. And, and that's what it really comes down to. It's right place, right time, right opportunity. And it's just about, even if they say no, that's the worst thing they can ever say to you. And it's just about, okay, this person said no onto the next, onto the next, keep trying, keep pushing, keep grinding. And it is a grind. This isn't a, to be in a band and wanting to do it full time. It's, it's a commitment. It's an effort and you need to show and to these people, especially promoters, we want to do this and we are putting everything into these shows that you're giving us an opportunity for. And we're going to sell as many tickets as we can. We're going to call every single person we know. We're going to message every single person we know. They just need to see that drive and that effort.
0: Um, Now onto the work you do at Aeolian Hall. You're the marketing and production coordinator. Um, And from what I read, you're there working to find artists and book shows. Is is that pretty much
1: so it's it's a bit more complicated than that as, as everything I do is it seems so so I started I started at Aeolian in uh, December 2021 I just moved to London a few months prior to that I was in Oshawa for about seven years and my life kind of fell apart and I came to London for a fresh start and I ended up here after a few months I'm here right now in the green room but so I started in marketing and marketing was kind of the main thing. Social media management, working with both traditional digital media platforms, maximizing promotional opportunities, stuff like that. And then very recently, I just got like my role title is still marketing coordinator technically, but I also am doing a lot of production stuff now in terms of booking and stuff like that, in which I, I would get offers sent or artists sent to me by agents or artists pitching to uh, my artistic director, uh, Clark. He's great. Uh, Clark goes through everything. We sit down, we talk about it. We see what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what fits in the calendar. So Clark kind of filters out the talent. of It's his room. He wants to see what's in it. And I'm just like, yep, I'm, I'm here having a good time. And we're just filling up paperwork. And so it's just about finding the right shows to produce. Because right now, especially, like I'm looking at my ticket sales for the next few months and like a lot of my shows are down right now and I'm sure a lot of other venues can say the same thing because the industry isn't fully back like yeah things are open and people are out doing things and we're not wearing masks as much anymore but it's like ticket sales are hurting right now for a lot of people and it's because a lot of people have gotten complacent they don't want to leave their home they're comfortable in their home like we and another thing is they don't have money to spend we've all lost a lot of money I know when COVID dropped I lost thousands probably a few thousand upwards of 10 and just different things i was working on in terms of tours and stuff like that like covid hit everyone hard and we're not fully backing we're not that's why 2022 has been interesting to watch because it's been a recovery year for a lot of bands and especially a lot of bands in developing area and for venues so we're seeing how the audience plays out i'm optimistic about 2023 because i feel like if things continue to go better like i know there's some things up in the air all over the place right now there always is that's life but it's just kind of a gamble right now for certain productions like we can't take certain risks or we're reducing guarantees which obviously agents don't like that and i don't like offering reduced guarantees but if shows aren't selling and i have the numbers to show they're not selling i can't take a risk on something and clark's not in a position to take a risk we're not in a position to take a risk so with this job right now it's about that fine balance of marketing creating new avenues and finding different intervals that i haven't pursued yet to really expand on aeolian everything we do because we're not just a music venue it's a full arts organization with an after school music program um there's a a, a male chorus there's there's a small symphony group like it's just a lot of different things that we have to work on and develop and fundraise works we're also a nonprofit. and then the other side of that is for me it's just coordinating all the production schedules making sure my production team is aware of all the technical stuff like when this is recorded i got the vienna boys choir coming in tomorrow like the actual vienna boys choir and then we got like i got Blacking the rodeo kings coming up and and just a bunch of different stuff so it's very all over the place and and while doing that coordinating new shows new deals and all that kind of stuff so it's i do a lot and i i don't realize how busy (laughs) i am until i talk about it it's kind of weird (laughs) (laughs)
0: so when you're looking to book shows for the for the aeolian um what things stand out to you for i don't know how to say that like what things stand out to you when you're searching for artists to book
1: the the biggest thing for me is a will my boss like it because i have to consider his taste it's his room that's that's kind of the number one thing um, the other thing for me, even before that, is can I imagine them in this room? Because the aliens, it's a smorgasbord of music and shows. Because we we produced all sorts of different things: choral, classical, jazz, rock, country, folk, blues, anything you can think of. The aliens probably done at some point or another. And it's just about finding what makes sense and what makes sense in the area. Because don't get don't get me wrong, we're getting tons of people reaching out to us and like we just had the folk Ontario music awards and i had a bunch of different people coming up to me asking about getting booked i had i know my boss got a bunch of people asking him about getting booked and it's like we can't say yes to everybody because not everybody can sell tickets can push in that in this area it's a different area of london um, it's a tough market right now like there's all these factors that we have to consider and the biggest thing is we we want to support development in artistic creation, but there's the other side of the coin which a lot of artists don't fully consider, which is venue costs. Because if a show isn't going to make money, then it's kind of hard for us to justify putting a show on if it's only going to cost money. Because and that and that's the thing, and I don't blame the artists for not thinking of that side. They're not supposed to. They're the artists. They they're here to create art and create music. And that's a wonderful thing. However, It's that counterpoint of: Does this make sense for this venue for this time of year, the season, the market? Are people going to be in town? Is there a holiday on that weekend? It's Mm -hmm. there's just so many factors when you consider a book, especially like if there's an arena show. Budweiser Gardens is doing it like if I have a crooner's jazz night, and all of a sudden Michael Bublé is doing a show down the street in the arena. I'm not really going to probably book a crooner's jazz night because all those people are, are going to go see Michael Buble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's just, it's just stuff like that. It, it's meticulous, but it's just, there's a hundred factors that always have to be considered.
0: Yeah. In the new world of 2020, 2022 and beyond, what would you say is the best way to promote an upcoming show or new release?
1: Uh, that's the thing. It's, It's a mix. I do a mix of the old and the new when it comes to that. And when I say old and new, I'm referring to traditional media and digital media. So with traditional media, a lot of it is dying. Yes, slowly, but a lot of it's still there. If you're looking, it depends on the demographic you're trying to reach for the show. If I'm doing a show that's aimed towards an older demographic, I'm going to go pursue the avenues that older demographics go to print radio, magazines, um online email, newsletters, obviously like social media and going back to digital, social media ads aim towards those demographics on platforms that those demographics use. That's what you have to look at. If you're a younger band promoting a young younger show, then you look through the digital avenues. Also a huge thing if you're in a town like London, London is a music city. London is the I believe right now it's the only city in Canada with UNESCO city of music designation, which is nuts considering that Toronto doesn't even have that. But like London has a phenomenal art support system here. Like at the London music office, tourism, London is the massive help, especially for my stuff at Aeolian. Like they help push my productions to all their people that may not necessarily know who Aeolian is. And those, those guys have been amazing to deal with. Um, but that's the thing. It really depends on, who you're aiming your show at. If you know you're aiming towards older and towards traditional media, younger digital media. And as free, as much as I know, everyone's sick of hearing it. TikTok, TikTok's <laughs> a thing. TikTok's crazy. TikTok's changing their algorithms constantly and messing with the views and all that kind of stuff, but it's creative. It's different. You just got to try and stand out, especially on a platform like TikTok where they're looking for individuality in a mass age of, bunch of people all uploading different things or the same thing at once and it's just trying to stand out and be a diamond in the rough if you will
0: yeah definitely what three tips would you pass on to artists or bands on how to maintain engagement on their social media even in their downtime
1: three things oh I can give a <laughs> half of thing for that but so three three things the first thing is consistency consistency is key especially when you're looking at all these platforms, especially a platform like TikTok that wants to see you being consistent and not even just being consistent in posting content, consistent in using the platform. Platforms benefit you by you using them because they want you to stay on it. They want you to engage with your profile, with other profiles, which makes other profiles want to engage with you more and vice versa. Um, the other, another point would be originality standing out adding personality and authenticity to your content because the best thing that any artist can do at any level is run your own social media because when you have someone else doing it like you have a label person that's your social media manager and they're just posting the generic stuff you lose that personal connection with audiences and that's what's going to build your career and give you longevity in the long run because that personal connection with someone is going to have them come out to every show that that's in their town. It's going to have them buy merch. It's going to have them want to support you because they feel they have that connection to you. And that's going to be make or break for most, if not all bands, especially right now when the industry is being very selective on who they want to bring into that upper echelon, echelon. I can't talk today of, artists that are like that are getting these huge advances because everyone's losing money and no one wants to take the risk so you need to be able to stand out and show that you have that potential in that next area and then i say the last thing honestly is there's too many things honestly just having strategy strategy is probably the third other biggest thing i can think of because It's so easy to have three weeks worth of content planned. You can literally, there's apps online like Hootsuite. I use Hootsuite for Aeolian stuff. It's amazing because all I got to do is obviously you have to make the graphic or content, which can be anywhere between two to five minutes, depending on the complexity, or even more than that, if you're doing really complex, but that's totally dependent on the creator. And then you can just literally throw it into a scheduler. And just say okay i need it scheduled at this time hitting these platforms with this caption these hashtags and all that kind of stuff and you just set it forget it and then it automatically does it for you and then it just puts it out and you can have consistency and also like i said the internet's an amazing resource has tons of awesome stuff for free it take the time google it build the research All you got to Google is literally peak times to post on social media platforms for these demographics. And you will find those, that information for you to input into your social media calendar and you can develop your platform and just be consistent, be consistent, be consistent because, and that's the thing, you got to be consistent, but the content has to be different enough per post to keep people engaged because you can't just post the same thing every day. But Yeah. yeah, those would be the three things that I can initially think of.
0: I think that's great. Um, So I want to thank you for joining me. I think this has been very informative. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to say to the listeners, viewers?
1: Um, Life is short, have fun.
0: Great advice. (laughs) Okay, I'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, guys.